some, uh, some hands up in that group. I'm telling you right here. Hey, I would like you to take this in your hand real quickly. If uh, You don't have one this big, but for effect, we've got one here. Yours should look a little smaller. And it says, we are family. Our family is growing. And then on the side, it has two check marks or boxes that could be checked. One that says 915, one that says 11 a.m., and uh, what I would like for you to do right now is get it, hold it in your hand, and if you have already made your, your decision as a family about what you're going to do, that's great. If not, just take a minute, uh, talk it over, uh, pray about it in the next five seconds, and then, no, but um, what, what we'd like you to do is today, today on your way out, and we'll mention it once again before you leave, but on your way out, we'd like you to indicate a check mark on one or the other. You're not bound by this. You're not, well, it does say your name. Actually, okay, so you are bound by this. No, not really. You, but just, it, it would give us an idea, uh, as you probably know from the video and from this skit, that uh, two, two weeks from today, we're starting our second service. And we are so excited. The first one will be at 9.15, the second one at, at 11. And so we're trying to get an idea of, of who is planning to come to which one as it relates to our volunteers and our, our processes and all that stuff, uh, child care, nursery workers, all that stuff. So if you already know, hey, we are early morning, and it says, I'm an early bird, but bring on the coffee, then write in 9.15. And if it says, uh, you, you prefer the later time, hey, pick me for the service, it lets me sleep in. So 11 o'clock or 9.15. And when you leave today, we're going to ask you just to, to hand that to one of the ushers on the way out. They'll have a box ready for you. And so we want you just to do that. It'll help us. Now, one other thing. Um, we are so excited about this weekend as well as next weekend. I don't want to take a lot of time to give announcements. That'll come at the end. But you do need to know that next Sunday is our dedication day. And we are so pumped about it. It's not just that we moved into the building on June 1st, which we did. Had our grand opening then. Uh, but also, this has been a culmination of about seven years of prayer and working and praying and, and all that. But it's not the end. It's the beginning. And so the dedication is a time for us to pray and to look forward to all the things that God's going to do in the coming years as, as the Bridge Church fulfills its purpose here. And so we, we really want you to be here. If you had other plans, just change them and uh, come here anyway. But it's at, the service is at 1030, and then uh, you can go home for lunch, do your thing on that, uh, check on the Cowboys if they're playing or, who, or the, whoever, the Chiefs or, or the, oh, I shouldn't have started down this road, or the Vikings or the Texans or the Chicago Bears, or the whoever, the what, oh, the Redskins, okay, anyone else, equal opportunity, who, never mind, uh, the Bengals, who, who said that, okay, no, you're welcome here, God bless you, sir, thank you for being here, uh, but whatever, you can go and check on a game, then come back, but at three o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to be having our dedication day, and that'll also be a time when there will be people that are coming from the community, people that used to attend church here, uh, former pastors, uh, we just invite, it's going to be a celebration day, so you will not want to miss that. We also had a quick dedication slash ribbon cutting slash celebration party yesterday. And if you were not able to be here, uh, I hope that you saw it on the news last night on, uh, on KVU or uh, the Fox News or Time Warner. But uh, I just want to ask if, if uh, my good friend John and Monica Lorick, would you guys stand to your feet real quick? And I want you to give these guys a round of applause right here. Now, some of you have no idea why you're clapping, and that's cool. Thank you for clapping anyway. But for those of us who know, John and Monica, uh, years ago, founded an organization called Central Texas Ability Sports, and it is a year-round sporting program for 
uh, for kids with disabilities, both mental and physical, and, and their families to come together and to play sports free of charge. And so year-round, they go from sport to sport, uh, kickball and, and uh, baseball and basketball, and they work in some golf and some football and some uh, horseback riding and whatever else they can find. And, and that their goal is, and I won't say their mission on, on, on their behalf, but, but they're wanting to bring families together to eliminate barriers and to see the, not just the society sort of become aware of this part of our, of our population, but also to recognize the achievements and the steps that they're making to do great things with their lives. And John and Monica have lived this. They themselves have two special kids that we love, Ryan and Samantha, and uh, they're just a, a part of our Bridge Church family. But yesterday uh, was a big, big day, and, uh, and, and uh, you guys can be seated. But let me just tell you what's going to happen. Um, we had a, a ribbon cutting yesterday morning outside the building and uh, that, there, were, there were lots of people here from different organizations and community leaders and all that, the folks who built the field and the folks who paid for the field and, and John and, and our church. And so if you weren't able to be here, hey, you, you missed it, but that's okay. You can, uh, you can watch the news and see some of that. But also today, after service, we would love for you, that, now you're going to be asked to do a bunch of stuff after service today. We're going to ask you to turn this in on your way out. We're going to ask you to go to the ministry fair out there and sign up to serve in some areas. But also, we want you to head outside. The weather is nice, uh, probably a little warm, but no rain. And you can go outside and then uh, down the path and down to the baseball field. And we just want you to walk on it to see it. Take some more selfies. Uh, don't forget your kids, though. Take your kids, teenagers, uh, get your get kids out of the nursery, all that stuff. And then head on down there just for a few minutes and just celebrate with us. We want you to see it, walk on it, touch it, smell, smell it, taste it if you want. I don't know what that would be like, but just experience this miracle field, quite frankly. And so uh, we want you to do that today after service or any day, but let's, let's break it in in style today. And if anybody's got a kickball and wants to jump into that, you can do it. That's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. The only thing I would ask is, there was something I was going to ask. What was that? This is not a skit. I just really did lose my train of thought there. So never mind. If there's something that comes up, I'll tell you later. All right, let's, uh, let's ha if you have a Bible, I want to ask you to open it up to a passage that's pretty well known, at least around here in the Bridge Church, and it's from Matthew chapter 5, and it's beginning at verse number 13, and I want to just share it with you, and it'll be the context for the message today. And uh, Matthew chapter 5. I got to tell you while you're turning there that uh, of, of all the things that happened yesterday, one of the coolest things that happened was that we were able to see people who were not believers, not that everybody was or everybody wasn't, but we had people who were here at the facility yesterday that were not a part of uh, our church family. Perhaps they don't have uh, a relationship with Christ at all, but they were here on the property hanging out with us, and I had a chance to share a little bit about this passage right here, which I love dearly. And it says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's been some time ago now, but this verse really was declared to be kind of a church mission statement for us. That we would 
we would endeavor with everything that we did to, to not just talk about the Lord, but to actually live out in some way the Lordship of Christ, that people could tangibly see the works of our hands and that the gospel would not just be declared, but would also be demonstrated in some kind of way. That you could kick the tires. You could walk around and check it out and take a test drive and see if, if not only if God was real, but if the people of God were different and real. And, and what would that look like? And, and so we talked about it. I'm going to get the, the back of the message first and work my way forward. But we decided that, uh, and it wasn't just our decision. The Lord was prompting us. It's not like it was our great idea. And we're not the only church who understands this importance. But we decided we didn't just want to sort of go to church. Because, I mean, I, I love church. This is my favorite time of the week, to be quite frank with you. Not because I get to preach, but because I get to be around you. And I get to be a part of what God's doing in your lives. But how many of you know that there's a lot of life that happens in between Sundays? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so as great as this is, sometimes you can be on cloud nine on Sunday morning and be in the valley of the shadow of death by Tuesday afternoon. Sometimes by Monday. I mean, it's just life is hard. I'm not trying to make fun of that. It, I mean, even today, we, we have t-shirts which kind of help us all hide behind our I love my family shirt. And we take selfies and probably all of us smiled on those. Because if you're having a horrible day, you probably didn't reflect it on your selfie. Why? Because we just want everything to be good at church and every other area of our lives. Let's just, let's just clap it up and love it up and be, be the best of everything to each other. But that's not the way life is. So, we're either a bunch of hypocrites or we're struggling to find joy in the midst of pain. And with God's help, we can do that. But you can't just go to church. And we didn't just want to do church, although I think... Doing church has a lot of value. By that, I, I mean a lot of things. But I'm talking about the way we serve and the way we give and the way that we act and the way we love on people and meet needs and build partnerships. I mean, that's all kind of like the church doing its thing, and, and I love that. But on a more personal level, we actually want to be the church. And so in order to understand that, we've got to kind of back up. Now, we're using, for the sake of this series, we're using the term family and the term church kind of interchangeably. But I, I want you just to understand that it's our true heart's desire that we understand we are family. And our family is growing. We, we want there to be more room at the table, uh, uh, less room at the table like you saw here today. That there's, the table's not big enough, so we make two tables. We have two services, two teams, two outreaches. But it's not for the Bridge Church to be well known. It's because when, when people find a place that they are needed and known, that's family. Secondly, family is where you can belong before you believe. These are things we've talked about in previous messages in the series. But thirdly, we, we believe that family is where love trumps everything. Always. Like when chips are down and you've messed up, you should still have a place to call home. A family that welcomes you. It's hard for me not to want to chase this story every time I talk about this thought. But... but we read in, John, uh, in Luke chapter 15 the story of the prodigal son and how the son makes all these foolish decisions. He's a younger brother. And he goes away and spends all of his money and wastes it all. And he has nothing, no friends, no money. He's starving to death. And then he says to himself, like he comes to his senses and he says, I think I'll go home. Because even if I can't be my father's son anymore, maybe I can at least be like living with the servants in his house. So he decides that he's got nowhere to lose, so nothing to lose. So he goes home. And his father, the loving father, meets him on the front porch and runs to him and brings him in and then throws a party that he's home. But the older brother, who'd been there the whole time, been faithful, living his life, was indignant. 
He was angry. He was uh, prideful. And he resented his younger brother coming home. And that everyone around him seemed to just act like nothing. It was no big deal that he'd made a wreck of his life. And he says out loud to his father, like, I've always been faithful. You didn't throw me a party. And the father says, yeah, but I was always with you. I, you've always had me. Like, you've always been in my house, in my family, under my blessing, in our relationship. You didn't leave, and yet you're not enjoying the truth of knowing me, right? And so the story of that hinges on the fact that the father, the loving father, is the one who saw this mess of a, of a son coming home that day. And how different the story would have been if it was the older brother who was standing on the front porch that day to welcome his good-for-nothing, sorry excuse for a brother home. That son, the younger brother, would have never even found redemption and a fresh start if the wrong person was there. But we believe that in family, love triumphs everything, always. And in the family of God, our relationship with him is personal, not private. We talked about that a few weeks ago, maybe last week, and it was just a challenge to think that you don't really get the freedom when you're in a family to do your own thing all the time. You've you got to abide by some kind of rules and some kind of guidelines and some kind of identity. And, and the church is not about rules and guidelines and curfews and spending budgets. But the church is about accountability and friendship and, and mutual bearing of one another's burdens and lifting one another's loads and, and, and grieving with one another and celebrating with one another. So we're not ashamed of that. Like we believe that in church you, you have a relationship with God that's personal but it's not private. We, we live together our faith in the Lord. And so I didn't quite get to finish the last part of last week's message, and I wanted to do that today as we talk a little bit about the emphasis on serving as it relates to the accomplishing of our purpose as God's family. So quickly, let me just say this. Number one, to be on mission, to be on mission with God is to be involved in the church, which is God's strategy to touch the world. Now, this is a long sentence, but I want you to kind of pick it apart with me a little bit. To be on mission with God, meaning if, if God wants to accomplish something through us, that means that, that God had an idea, he had a mission, he had a plan, a strategy for how he wanted to save the world. You go, well, how do you know he wanted to save the world? Well, because if you're a football fan, you've seen in the end zone of some game somewhere a sign that said John 3.16. Anybody seen that sign? That sign's a pretty important verse because it says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who called upon the name of the Lord might be saved. And it goes on to say, but God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the, the world might be saved. So this is the ministry, this is the mission, this is the, the calling that God designed, that from the moment that mankind fell and sin contaminated all of us, God had a plan to send Jesus to restore relationship between himself and, and us. So here's the deal. If God's mission then is to be accomplished, then what he said is he decided that he would do it through the church. You say, how do you know that? Well, because when, when, when he gave the, when, when Christ was was crucified and, and then rose from the dead and then stayed upon the earth for a, a number of days and then ascended into heaven, one thing that he said is, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the, the comforter to come, the Spirit of God to come. And, and the part of the Spirit coming was that the, the Holy Spirit would come upon us so that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. 
all of those terms are, are sort of analogous or synonymous with the fact that you have to first be a witness of God in your, in your immediate proximity, you know, and then in your, like your family or your church or your business, and, and then in your, in your immediate sort of community where you live and work, and then, and then beyond that, like in, into the city of Austin and, and the state of Texas and all around the, the nation and around the world. Like God's desire, guys, is that everybody, everybody would know in a personal way, that he, he loves them. Now, there was a day that for effect, I would have just gone through the room and just said, God loves you, Jimmy. And God loves you, Karen. And God loves you, Jeff. And I would call every person in the room. Number one, I don't have time for that now. And number two, I don't know all your names. Why? Because our family is growing. Shameless plug for the sermon series, right? Our family... It's growing like you're here, and, and I don't have the benefit. I, and I mean this in all sincerity. Some of you don't know me that well, let alone do, I don't know you yet. And I want to, and we want you to know that you are, you, this is a place where you can be needed and known. And, and so when I say this, you're going to have to trust that I mean it. Because right now, some of you don't know if I'm just, you know, a used car salesman or a really loving pastor, right? And no offense to all the used car salesmen in the room. That was not a good choice of words. I love you, and I've bought a lot of used cars and never had a lemon yet. So anyway. But this idea that, that I say, I want to know you, is genuine from my heart. But the truth is, it's not always possible. Why? Because there's a lot of life that happens in between Sundays. And so God desired that if, if the whole world was going to know his love, I want you to stop and think about, let's just imagine that this was the whole world, which it isn't. It's just one place in the city of Hutto, where people are gathering this morning to worship. But let's just imagine that everything you see was the whole world. God's desire is that every single one of you knows Jim and Paulette and Jeremy and Kalinda and Mark and Julie. Like he wants every one of you to know this, that he loves you. Now, if there's, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus, and you don't yet aren't convinced in your heart to believe that he loves you, then I'm, I'm really talking to you as if you were the world. And I'm talking to those who know the Lord as if you were the church. So when I say the church in the world and the rest of my message, I, I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm not saying that like the church are the good people and the world are the bad people or the church are the holy people and the world are the sinful people. I'm talking about the church are the people who are supposed to already know and believe and trust. That they, that they are redeemed by Christ's blood, and therefore they are living their lives for the purpose of sharing his love with everyone in the world who doesn't know him. And so all that really means, it's not good or bad, sinful, holy, all that. What it really means is that the, the church, the people in the church, the people who know Christ, are the ones who are already full of the love of God, and the people who are not in the church are the people who need to know God's love. That's it. That's the difference. So follow me, if you will. To be on mission with God is to be involved in the church. Because the church is God's strategy to touch the world. Now, hang on for a second. From the beginning, I, I'm convinced of this. I hope you'll believe me as well. But from the beginning, God has chosen to work through collective people, his people. One of the greatest sort of big callings in the world, in, in the Bible that we read about is, is uh, in Exodus, where God speaks to a guy named Moses. 
And God speaks to Moses out of the blue at this, in the wilderness at this bush that, that just burst into flames. And it was a bush that wouldn't burn out. It wouldn't stop burning. It wouldn't be consumed. It just continued to burn. And then out of that, God speaks in a voice that was audibly heard by Moses. And he calls Moses and says, you know, take off your shoes because the place that you're standing is holy ground. So out of a, out of a sign of respect, Moses does that. And he humbles himself before the Lord and sits down. And the Lord is speaking to him. And here's the message that, that God has for Moses. Is he says, I, I want you to go and I want you to... to Go to Pharaoh, and I want you to speak to him and have all of the people of God, all the Israelites, all of my people, I want you to have him release them and set them free because they were in slavery. So what happens next is Moses has a long debate. He argues with God. He works his way through it. God finally wins, and so Moses tries it, and he does it. But I want you to just understand, the point of that I want to emphasize today is that when God's speaking to Moses, God's not only concerned about Moses in that moment. Follow me. God's speaking to Moses about Moses. He's giving Moses instructions. He just radically changed Moses' life plan if Moses had one, which up until that point was basically running and hiding in the wilderness. Anybody have a life plan like that? I'm just running and hiding. God speaks to Moses about Moses and then tells Moses to do something that was not only going to benefit Moses, but it was going to benefit the entire people of God. Follow me, because God is saying, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work through a person to touch the world. I'm going to work through a, a single individual to work with other individuals to touch the world. It, it, was, to, it was to free them and to bless them that, that God spoke to Moses. And through them, through Moses' obedience, and then through the children of Israel's freedom, and then through the lineage of the people who would come through that, and through Jesus, who was a part of and born out of the nation of Israel, it's through all of that that we have the redemption of the world. That brings us back to John 3.16, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. So Jesus comes to us as our Savior because... God spoke to an individual to free a people so that the people could live out the blessing of God and they could impact the world. Now, the question I would have for you, and you probably have for me, is why does God have such a heart for the people of God anyway? It's because, it's because God's plan, this is the second part of it, God's plan for the salvation of the world is the family of God. The way that the Lord wants to touch the city is through believers who live there and who are living out their faith in everything that they do. When that happens, then the people of God, as they, as they thrive, so comes redemption. As the people of God go, so goes the rest of the world. You see, salvation fulfilling God's purpose to redeem all people through the work of the church. You say, man, pastor, you're, you're a pastor, so you must really think this church thing's important. <laughs> I, I do, but not because I'm a pastor. I believe it is scriptural. I believe it is biblical, and I believe it is the pattern of God. Look, here's just one second. Jesus said in this passage that we'll read here in John chapter 17, verse 14 through 18, Jesus says this, and it's, a, it's kind of a well-known passage that maybe gets taken out of context sometimes or with the wrong spirit, but here's what it says. It says, I have given, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Remember last week we talked about the prayer of Jesus. Jesus is praying to God about the disciples, 
And he's saying this, I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. And you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Anybody ever heard that phrase, that we're supposed to be in the world but not of it? You ever heard that? If you grew up in church, I guarantee you did. You probably heard it when you asked if you could go to prom. That's when, that's when I heard it. I, I heard it whenever I wanted to go to senior skip day. No, that's what all the other kids are doing. You don't need to do that. No, this idea of being in the world but not of it. The Bible talks about how that we are strangers, we are aliens, we are not of this world. I just quoted the lyrics of a great 80s rock song. Anyway, a Christian rock song. I'm not going to sing it for you. But anyway, the idea is that Jesus said to be in it but not of it, right? Or at least from this context, get that phrase. Because he's saying, hey, I'm not of this world. Yeah, I live in it, but I'm not of it. And so he's saying his prayer with the disciples is, Lord, help them to know that they're not of this world either, any more than I am. Well, what does that mean? They're born in it. They live in it. They had a Jerusalem address. We have a address. So what does it mean that they're not of it? Well, the, the whole part of this that is so powerful is that the, the, the change that's supposed to take place within a believer is in the way we think and in the way we act, we love, not necessarily in the way we dress, although sometimes it may affect that, but one of the problems we've had in the church is that we think as soon as someone is saved, then they need, we need to now conform how they dress, and let's just leave that for some other time and some other day. Let's let the Lord begin to change our, our attitudes and our hearts and our speech and our values and our lives. And so here we are, as the body, like we are supposed to be in the world. So I want you to picture this. Okay, here's the world, right here. This is the world. The Bible says that there's a lot in the world that's described, like there's, there's a sinful desires of the flesh. So in the world's heart, the world's attitude, there's anger and there's resentment and there's unforgiveness and there's pride and there's sexual immorality and there's bitterness and there is uh, anger, uh, hostility, and drunkenness, and the whole. And then he's calling for us to be the people of God, right? And so he, what, what we've interpreted that to mean is, we're saying, hey, we are not supposed to be in the world. Because we're not of it. This is a mess. And so, we, we come over here and we try to sort of build this safe place, this con construct. Almost think of it like a fortress, right? And we hide behind it because we say we want to be different from the world because they're bad and we're Christians. The problem is when we came over and built our fortress and we all got in it, you know what the problem is? We brought that sin in with us. And so now inside of our confines, in our safe fortress that we built that sometimes we could call the church or we could call the Christian community, you know what still exists inside the church? Anger, pride, hostility, unforgiveness. Bitterness, gluttony, drunkenness, sexual immorality. And so here's the problem. A at least if we were going to be honest that we're trying to live for the Lord and we're saying, Lord, rather than us not being in the world because we're not of it, now at least we're not in it. We're, we're, we're of the world, but we're not even in it now. We're not living among the very people that God called us to love and to serve. Now here's, here's where I'm headed with this. 
we, if we are imagining that we could be safe or untouched or different or secluded from that big, bad, dark, ugly, scary, sinful world, the problem is that we were supposed to, follow me, we were supposed to thrive in it. We were supposed to live in it, among it. We were supposed to serve it and bless it and heal it and minister to it and bandage its wounds and show it love and throw it parties and celebrate its successes. Why? You say, Pastor, I don't really know what you're trying to say right now, but I am not comfortable being in the world. And I'm saying, okay, but you know what? You are worldly. Because I am. You know what was interesting? I don't know if there's anybody here today who's visiting today that was here yesterday at the, the dedication. But one of the organizations that, that helps pay a, a large portion of money for this field out here is called the Chive. KCCO stands for Keep Calm Chive On. You may have seen that on bumper stickers, shirts, cards, whatever. And so this organization is made up loosely of just a community of people that just love each other and they hang out. Their, their values, if they have some that you can clearly identify, are not necessarily Christian values. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to be really politically correct here. Uh, they're, they're, and I know this is being recorded and you know, someday somebody could hear this. And I want to be sensitive to the fact that, but the, the stuff that they do and celebrate on, on their, on their, you know, in their community is some things that would make us uncomfortable. In other words, they, they just think, as a, as a group, they just think life is a party, right? And so whatever that means, I'll just be vague, but whatever that means for the world to party, that's what they enjoy, that's what they embrace. But you know what they also enjoy? Is helping people. So it's kind of a paradox here, and I'm, I'm stepping out into some place I didn't plan on going, uh, so I've got to be careful. But the thing is that like, when, when, you, when, when you're confronted with the fact that here's someone who doesn't claim to know Christ and has a lifestyle that's just wild and crazy, but yet they want to do good, what do you do with that? You know, what I do with it is I say, okay, Lord, you're working in their hearts because there's some desire to serve the needs of the less fortunate and the hurting and the broken, and, and maybe what they're doing is good stuff. But then, rather than saying, we got to be all in or we got to be all out, then we just need to live where we are, and rather than having a corporate stand that we're trying to say what we approve of and don't approve of out in the world where we don't have any influence anyway, how about we just live among people and love them and on a personal level, you begin to share the love of Christ in personal ways. So like, you ever, there, there was a, a t-shirt that I saw yesterday, and I'm telling you with it, this is really raw, but it, it's just, it's funny to me, because the t-shirt said, it said, our drinking organization has a charity problem. If you think about what it's saying, what they would be saying is, our charity organization has a drinking problem. But there's, the t-shirt says, our drinking organization has a charity problem. It's a pun. Did you get it? I don't know if you got it. Okay. The, the point is, I don't agree with the message of the shirt, but the shirt is an insight into the kind of thing that's happening in the lives of the people who are part of this organization. And here's the deal. <laughs> Those people helped pay for that field that we are going to serve, use, to serve the community that God's called us to. If you never knew that before today, your mind just got blown. My, my mind's been blown for a long time. And it's not getting put back together, I don't think. But, so, what do I do with that? 
What do we do with that? This is not a sermon right now. This is a real life family moment, okay? So can my notes are way up there. I'm living on I'm walking out on faith on the water, and I think I'm gonna fall underground any second. We're gonna fall in the water any second. Because I I'm just speaking from my heart to you, and I know I speak for many of you, and maybe I speak in a way that makes some of you uncomfortable, and I, I respect that and I honor that. I really do. But like where where God is, is leading us right now is very, very uncomfortable to me. You just probably need to know that. Like it's exciting and it's safe and it's fun in here. Because I can say whatever's safe in here and we can all go, amen. But like, what does it look like for the body of Christ to be salt and light both of those things are agents of change. Like they, they, don't, they don't remain neutral. Like wherever there is salt, there is flavor and there is preservation and there is stuff and, and it's a, a, a strong, strong taste. You, if you have salt, you ever use the salt shaker on your meal and you just dabble a little bit on there all on, and it just kind of tastes better and you can't really know why except you just put salt on it. But there's little bitty minuscule little grains of salt that just made everything taste better. But if the person before you ever unscrewed the lid just to be funny, and you dump this whole thing of salt right in the middle of your pasta, like, do you know there's no getting that flavor out of your meal? You know that? It's ruined. Why? Because is salt good? Yes. But what happened? All the salt got dumped in one place at one time, and rather than it being seasoning that helped, it was offensive. get it? Like, if the only thing that we do is, as a, as a church family, is we just give salt, then that means that in our terms, in our way, with our processes, we just collectively and corporately just spray and dump salt on the world, and we go, hey, here is salt. Enjoy. Isn't that better? Oh, that makes your food taste better. Here, here's more salt, and here's more salt. In Jesus' name, here is salt. We're out of salt. Let's get more salt. Let's just back up truckloads and dump trucks of salt. Okay? That's not the picture. That's not the picture. The salt that we are called to be is sprinkled lightly. Now, there's a passage there that says if the salt loses its saltiness, then it's not good for anything. So, like if, if we are the people of God who love him as our Savior, and serve him with our lives. Then where we go, we, we take, we are, we don't just take, we are salt of Jesus in this world. And, and we are the light of, of Jesus in the darkness of this world. Like I don't, let me just tell you, I don't have a problem I told you I was uncomfortable. Let me just clarify what I mean by that. I said where God's taking us makes me uncomfortable, makes me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't have a problem with how I am supposed to live my faith with my family because God, I, I've prayed, and, and I know Hillary has prayed, and I know you guys, many of you as leaders have prayed, and many of you are praying and saying, Lord, send me 
Send me into the world so I can develop lasting friendships, that I can live in true community with people who are far away from God so that I can love them and serve them and meet their needs. Even though they won't come to church with me on Sunday and they don't believe like I believe, does it, does it matter what I believe? Yeah, Lord, we want, you to, we want them to know you because there's only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved. That's Jesus Christ who died for us. So you, we can't just say, oh, Jesus doesn't matter. I'll just be their friend. Because you're not sharing the love of Christ at all. You're just being a nice neighbor. But somehow, we're earning the right. We're investing ourselves. We're loving people enough so that then they're not put off by our overwhelming saltiness, but they're allowing us to know and love them. And so here's what I'm saying. I'm not uncomfortable with what God's doing in my life only, like my family. What I'm referring to here is as a body, as the Bridge Church, What's that going to look like? I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm kind of a little scared about that. Because now we have to choose corporately. Like, who we partner with and what projects we do and what they stand for and who they are and if they want to use our field. It's not our field, it's on our land. But God provided it through a crazy band of misfits, as they call themselves. They're excited about the fact that we are a band of misfits. You know, I had a chance yesterday to speak, and so they, they let me pray. Like, you have no idea what you just asked, asked me to do. Like, I, I was praying about the prayer. Like, Lord, help us. Help me to say what needs to be said. And so we're talking. I'm talking about salt and light. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about Jesus, that Jesus is the one that, that leads us to God. And then I got to pray, and I got to pray over these people. And I, I prayed about brokenness, and I prayed about lostness, and I prayed about how that we're not perfect. And so on your behalf, I hope that was okay. But I told the community that was gathered there that you're a mess. And that I'm a mess. And that God's making us into something new by his grace. Like I said all that. A little bit later, there was a guy that had a program, a part of the program. He was the head of KCCO, and he stands up and he says, you know, I was going to say all this cool stuff about how everything happened today and what led to it, but everybody else already said it. He said, but I was just thinking as I was sitting back listening, this, this is not really the makings of a really cool story. It's almost like it's the makings of a joke that you have a former baseball playing organization, Cal Ripken Sr., and you have a group of disabled, special needs kids and families. And you got this crazy band of misfits and a pastor who all go into a bar and say, how about if we could build a baseball field for the community? And everybody laughs. You didn't, but they did. I mean, it was really a funny thought when you think about it. What an odd mixture. a legend of baseball and a family that has a passion and some crazy people who love to party and do good and a church and a pastor deciding let's together do something that will meet needs in the community like who gets to take ownership of that well that's the problem in partnerships nobody ever really gets to take all the ownership and as I'm sitting there listening I thought Lord I am both I am both I am both radically inspired and also really really humbled and really uncomfortable because what we like to do is we like to draw the lines and 
say, this is our ministry, and this is our thing, and this is what we're for, and this is what we're not for. And I'm just telling you, I don't, I'm not asking you to throw out your personal convictions. In fact, what I'm asking you to do is to dig. I hope you're listening. I, I'm asking you to dig deeper in your personal prayer life and your devotion to the Lord. And I'm asking you to, to don't hide behind what the Bridge Church is doing, and don't hide behind buzzwords like community and outreach and ministry, but but get honest with the Lord. Get honest with your Savior, Jesus Christ. And don't hide behind the stuff about us and them and being in the world but not of it. Don't hide behind that on a personal level. Like as a church, we're, we're finding our way, but on a personal level, ask the Lord, Lord, what are you calling me? What do I believe? Who are you in my life? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to convict me of my sinfulness and worldliness? Am I allowing you, Holy Spirit, to to give me boldness to live and to speak and to be salt and to be light in the times that you open up the door? Like if we will all do that, then God is going to continue to work to see the world changed. In the meantime, I'm asking you, Let's not do anything publicly that we're not consecrated and living privately. Can I say that again? Did you get that? I mean, that's, could we just say that we're not going to do anything publicly unless we are privately consecrated and broken before the Lord. Stand to your feet with me real quick. and um, uh, I'm going to read this to you. And then we're going to pray. We're going to sing. Actually, we're going to sing first and then pray. But I, I just want you to open your heart. You may have heard this before. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because it talks about the need of the world that we're serving and how broken that they are and just just listen it says a man fell into a pit and he couldn't get himself out a subjective person came along and said i feel for you down there in that pit an objective person came along and said it's logical that someone would fall down there in that pit a christian scientist came along and said you only think you're in a pit A Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall into pits. A newspaper reporter wanted an exclusive story on the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. Confucius said, if you'd listen to me, you wouldn't be in that pit. Buddha said, a pit is only your state of mind. A realist said, yeah, that's a pit. A scientist calculated the pressure necessary to get him out of the pit. A geologist taught him to appreciate the rock strata while he was in the pit. A tax man asked him if he was paying taxes on the pit. A city building inspector asked him if he had a permit to dig the pit in the first place. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A charismatic said, just confess that you're not in the pit. 
An optimist said, things could get worse. The pessimist said, things will get worse. But then Jesus, seeing the man, knelt down and lifted him out of the pit. Church family, our job is to reach down in the trenches of life and, and engage a lost and a hurting and a dying world and, and introduce them to Jesus. To Jesus. Could we just make an understanding? Could we just agree together that our message is not a, it's not a structure of beliefs. Our message is a person. It is God incarnate. Our message is Jesus. Our message is not that hang out with us and we'll show you how to live life better. Our message is not we're really awesome and you can be awesome too if you buy a shirt. Our message is that we are broken, but Jesus Christ died for us. And through that, we have been made alive and redeemed and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is being cultivated in us so that we begin to live out love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Like we live our outward lives from an inward change because we have met and know Jesus Christ, the living God who lives now inside of us, those who call him our Lord. Like that's as far as you and I need to go is to get that right. Is to say, I need you, Jesus. He lifted me out. He wants to touch others through us. So could, could you just... We just sing for a moment, and this worship team is going to lead us in this song. But I'm asking you right now before we go anywhere, could you be honest with yourself? Like, Jesus, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Make whole my broken life. Can you sing with me? Lord, I come. I come.
Make it a personal prayer. God, I ask you in Jesus' name to remind us this morning that we are all sinners who have been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there is nothing in our lives that we have earned through our righteousness, but we are among all people broken and lost without you. Our own nature is sinful. Our own hearts would deceive us. We are so easily filled with pride and judgment and, and, and arrogance towards ourselves, Lord. We, we believe we, we actually believe sometimes that, that you should be thankful you have us. And the truth is, of the matter is that we are desperately in need of you as our Savior to remake us. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, your word says in Galatians 2.20 that I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Lord, you're working and living in us and through us. And I pray, Lord, today, help us understand that through the church, you're changing us. We ourselves are, are taught, and we are mentored, and we are strengthened, and we are developed, and we are growing in the fullness of Christ as we are part of this body. For you are the head, and every part works together to edify one another so that the fullness of Christ can be seen by a lost and dying world. But Lord, don't let us for a moment think that we don't need you hour by hour, day by day. Lord, before we do another thing publicly, break our hearts privately. Draw us to the, the intimacy with you that we need. And then, Lord, out of that, then flow out of us and touch this city and touch this world. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, do a mighty thing through us. That's our prayer. That is our prayer. And we accept it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus' name. Can we sing it again, that last part? Oh, I need you. Oh, I need service today. We are, uh, and we're so glad you guys came. Everybody is here today. Um, and I get the pleasure of kind of closing this out. And to do so, I have a list. This pastor doesn't think I can rep- Now he shut me off. How about that? Not the joke. Um, so a couple things real quick, guys. And uh, again, thank you for coming. We're, we're so glad you guys are here. So some exciting stuff. I know you guys saw the, the skitter by uh, all of our Bridge Church actors, which you guys were fantastic, but we are moving services, so be prepared for that. We're really excited, um, and I know most of you on your chairs, you guys have a, a little check the box, either uh, 9.15 or 11 a.m., so once you sign that, just know that we're going to be taking roll, and if you're not here, we're sending Jeremy, and he's driving to your house in a big truck, he's going to throw you in and drive you here at that time. No, the we're, we are actually aren't going to take roll. We're just trying to make sure we're prepared for everybody. So if you get a second, please just check one of those and just lay it up back there on the on the little, uh, what is that? Information. Information desk. I was going to say ottoman. That's not right. It's not right. We'll go with something else. So do that. Um, so two services starts on October 5th. We are super excited. Um, also, still have our, uh, if you're looking for services. Man, this thing is messing me up. Can I borrow yours, Weber? Perfect. Now I sound like Agnes, even better. Um, with two services, we need help, right? We need help to help serve others as they come in. So we have our little information desk and stuff out there for places for volunteers. So please stop by. Even if you don't sign up, there's free cookies there or popcorn. So either way you win. So we're excited about that. Um, lastly, um, well, actually not last. I got two things. I told you it's a list. Have you guys ever told your kids more than like two things? And when they leave, you know they've forgotten all of them? I don't feel that way, maybe just a little, but I did feel like that a little bit here. So next Sunday is Dedication Sunday, and this is so important. This is one of our biggest days to celebrate, and that is next Sunday. Our worship service is at 10.30 a.m., just like normal, but we want to invite everybody back because at 3 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon, we're going to have our dedication service, and it is going to be so awesome. And those of you that aren't familiar with our our journey here, um, God has been good, and there's you, you certainly don't want to miss it. And, and this is truly lastly, last time, in closing, as Pastor would say, but then he goes on for 20 more minutes. I'm not going to do that. Really, um, the new field is done, and it's out there. And we are so excited to be able to serve the special needs community and provide a place for our kids to play. So what we'd like, as this Pastor said earlier, go grab your kids. Don't just leave them in here and act like you forgot them and wander out there. Grab your kiddos. Stop by, sign up for something, and then go out to the field. We invite you guys to go out there and walk around and just kind of enjoy it just kind of understand the impact that we're, we're fortunate enough to have in the community. Fair enough? Okay, I'm going to review them. I'm just joking. All right, you guys, thanks for coming. You guys have an awesome, awesome afternoon, and we'll see you next Sunday.